From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. for joining us for another broadcast of Let the Bible Speak. Today we continue a series of studies on the doctrine of the person and work of the Holy Spirit. Messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. We'll be hearing from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy a devotional thought from the pen of Charles Haddon Spurgeon, found in his collection called Faith's Checkbook. Today's devotional is entitled, Faith Sees the Bow. The text is Genesis chapter 9 and verse 14. And it shall come to pass, when I bring a cloud over the earth, that the bow shall be seen in the cloud. Just now clouds are plentiful enough, but we are not afraid that the world will be destroyed by a deluge. We see the rainbow often enough to prevent our having any such fears. The covenant which the Lord made with Noah stands fast, and we have no doubts about it. Why then should we think that the clouds of trouble, which now darken our sky, will end in our destruction? Let us dismiss such groundless and dishonoring fears. Faith always sees the bow of covenant promise whenever sense sees the clouds of affliction. God has a bow with which he might shoot out his arrows of destruction. But see, it is turned upward. It is a bow without an arrow or a string. It is a bow of many colors, expressing joy and delight, and not a bow blood-red with slaughter or black with anger. Let us be of good courage. Never does God so darken our sky as to leave his covenant without a witness. And even if he did, we would trust him, since he cannot change or lie or in any other way fail to keep his covenant of peace. Until the waters go over the earth again, we shall have no reason for doubting our God.
Regular Bible reading is an essential part of the Christian life. In the Holy Scriptures, God has given us everything we need to know for salvation, for spiritual growth, and for the many issues and problems that believers face. However, many Christians do not profit from the Bible as they should because they have no guidance as to how to study it. Several ministers of the Free Presbyterian Church, including Dr. Alan Cairns, produced a brief but very helpful brochure called Ten Commandments of Bible Study, which will help you to gain much blessing from your time in the Holy Scriptures. The method is designed to help believers achieve a comprehensive knowledge of the chapter contents of the Scriptures and to enable them to use that knowledge to guide and quicken them in their personal prayer lives. For a free copy of Ten Commandments of Bible Study, simply email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us, if you wish, at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. Or if you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 
1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Increase your knowledge of God's Word by requesting your free copy of Ten Commandments of Bible Study. On today's edition of Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues a series of studies in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, bringing the final portion of a message called The Spirit of Truth. As we've been seeing, there are in Scripture at least seven actions ascribed to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of Truth. He is responsible for the inspiration of the Bible. He points to Christ, not himself. The Spirit of Truth uses the truth of the gospel to bring in the full number of the saved. In addition, the Spirit of Truth assures those who receive the gospel of the reality of the things it promises, and he keeps the Christian from fatal error. In concluding the message, Dr. Cairns will show how the Spirit exposes and battles Satan, as well as how he guarantees the entire triumph of the truth. Now Dr. Cairns concludes this message called the Spirit of Truth. Again and again, the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit of Truth, convinces us of two things. One, the Gospel is true. Galatians 2, verses 5 and 14 speak of the truth of the Gospel. Ephesians 4, 21 says, The truth is in Christ. Colossians 1, 5 has a beautiful piling up of terms. I remember preaching a a message just in these terms, the word of the truth of the gospel. Now let that sink in. The Holy Spirit witnesses that the gospel is true. Pardon from sin is not a figment of the imagination. It's not a mental state. It's a, a truth, an objective reality. Justification, clothing with the righteousness of Christ, acceptance with God as legally righteous in union with Jesus Christ. Reconciliation, a home in heaven, these things are true. The Holy Spirit emphasizes the truth of the gospel. The second thing he does here is he witnesses the validity, the reality of my experience of these things. You see, I have to be careful here. There's There's something I've got to make sure doesn't happen. That is, that I don't follow a cunningly devised fable. Well, the Holy Ghost looks after that, witnessing the truth of the Word, the truth of the Gospel. But I also have to make sure that I am not guilty of presumption. There are people who likely claim to be saved, and they're not saved at all. Matthew 7.22 makes that clear. Then will I profess unto them, who are they? Those who are crying, Lord, Lord, have we not done this, 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 in your name? I never knew you. 
So I've got to make sure that I'm not guilty of presumption or that I'm not merely following some self-generated fanatical daydream. Now how can I know not only that the gospel is true, but that my profession of faith in Christ is true, that my experience is true experience? Well, I'll deal with this more fully when we come to the witness of the Spirit. But let me say that the Spirit does witness. There are various levels of the Spirit's witness that I'll deal with in a future study. But He does witness. John 14, 17, He dwells within the believer. He dwells within the believer. Over in 1 John chapter 4, verse 13, there is a very important word. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us of his Spirit. The presence and the operation of the Holy Spirit within a man's life is positive proof that that man is truly saved. The witness to the Christian in John eight or Romans 8 and verse 16. Time doesn't permit me this morning to talk about the full assurance the Holy Spirit gives. We'll come back to that in three tremendous texts of Scripture. How he gives full assurance to the people of God. Then there's a fifth thing that the Spirit of Truth does. He keeps a Christian from fatal error. When you're saved, He keeps you unto eternal life. We were reading in John chapter 16, or, or we have referred rather to John chapter 16, and in verse 13, the Lord Jesus says, When the Spirit of Truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. Now the emphasis first there is to the apostles and the giving of the scriptures and inspiration. He guided the apostles in writing the New Testament into all the truth. Not a word that falls short of absolute divine truth here. Now, why that's true, this does have a reference to you and me. Jesus says, the spirit of truth will guide you into all the truth. Now, I don't think that you can take from that, for the New Testament would contradict you, that Christians are guaranteed infallible. There are Christians who do think that they're infallible. I'm sorry to tell you, I don't really think you're right. We're not infallible. We're not free from all error. There's not one of us absolutely right on everything that we hold. I would to God we were. But certainly, the Spirit of Truth guarantees to preserve a Christian from error in the essentials of the Gospel, from error in things that are essential to salvation, from fatal error. When we do our Bible reading at home, there's usually a question time and I never know what is coming it may be out of the Bible reading or it may be from anywhere else and my wife and Frank will fire questions I think sometimes they want to see how little I really know yesterday morning he asked me a very simple little question that a girl in school had asked him how do you explain Hebrews 6 verses 4 to 6 
It is impossible for those who were once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, etc., if they should fall away to renew them to repentance. Does it mean you can be saved and lost? I found that it was not as easy to put it into words for him to remember uh, that he could pass on as I would have liked. So I told him, just send her to our minister. He's more likely to talk sense than you are. But uh, on such a difficult passage. But as I was studying this, I, uh, I got to think. Here's the very fact. So I thought to thank you, Frank, for bringing this to my attention. Uh, look at Hebrews 6 for a minute. Look, just look at it. It is impossible for those who were once enlightened of tasted of the heavenly gift were made partakers uh, of the Holy Ghost. It's not the deepest word in Scripture for partakers. But it is a word that means... Uh, that in some sense they went along as partners with the Holy Ghost, and tasted of the good word of God and the powers of the world to come, if they shall fall away, really is not giving the full strength of what Paul wrote, and when they fall away, or and they fall away, it's impossible to renew them again to repentance. Now look at verse 7 and verse 8. For the earth which drinketh in the rain that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs meet for them by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected, and nigh unto cursing whose end is to be burned. These people are to be damned. They're going to be burned. Secondly, these people never did have any spiritual fruit. All they ever had were thorns and briars. Thirdly, and I'm not going to give you an exposition of verses 4 and 5 at this point. But however those verses are understood, they must be understood according to verse 7 as being in the area of the general workings of God uh, that take in unsee of people as well as see of people. It's like pouring out his rain upon the just and the unjust. God says he gave them many spiritual influences. And in the early church, sometimes they were supernatural influences. And yet they did not produce any spiritual life. There was only thorns and briars. And their end is to be burned. Now I want you to get the picture. It's possible for people to be in the church. It's possible for people to have a spiritual, quote, spiritual experiences. It's possible for people... And here again I refer to Matthew 7.22. To even known supernatural power... To do miracles even. And not be saved. And even though a man has had all this experience, such a person can fall away. And the sin of falling away in Hebrews is always denying the finished work of Christ and going back to animal sacrifices for salvation. It's possible, therefore, for a person who's in the church to deny Christ and deny the blood and deny the cross. But look at verse 9. Beloved, notice how it changes from they to you. We are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. Things that accompany salvation or uh, just things connected with salvation. The Greek word literally means things having salvation. 
In other words, these other people, whatever they had, they didn't have salvation. And they could deny Christ in the essentials of the gospel. But you, who have salvation, oh, you may sin regretfully, you may sin, but there are certain things you cannot do. It is impossible for one indwelt by the Spirit of truth to deny from his heart the blood of Christ. When you get a man who says, I once was saved, we had one such person uh, rose to eminence in the Irish Presbyterian Church. He said, I once was an evangelical believer. I once had the Keswick experience. I once was this and I once was that. But he lived his life to blaspheme the blood of Christ and deny the deity of Christ and mock the resurrection of Christ. You can say, that man, whatever he had, he never had God's salvation. Because God, when he saves a man, he gives him the spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth preserves Christians from fatal error. That's the work of the Holy Ghost. And as he does that, he exposes and he battles Satan and his lie. I haven't time to pursue this one in John, 1 John chapter 4. It's a very critical section of God's Word for Christians. But if you look at verse 2, you'll find the Holy Spirit. You know His working because of the confession of Christ. The spirit of the devil's lie does not confess Jesus Christ in a biblical sense. And again, verse 6. The spirit of truth is known by the acceptance of the word of God. The spirit of error does not govern itself by that book. I want to tell you, when men do not hear that word, the spirit they have is another spirit. Brethren, we need to be aware of this. Second Corinthians 11 and 4 tells us of the subtlety of the devil. Today we see this, another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel. This is the age of the counterfeit. Notice that the terms are right. They speak of Jesus. They speak of the spirit. They speak of the gospel. The terms are right, but the substance of those terms is altogether wrong. The Holy Ghost brings all religion all profession, all doctrine to the touchstone of the word of God Isaiah 8 and 20 to the law and to the testimony if they agree not to this it's because there's no light in them and then the last thing that the spirit of truth does not only exposes and battles the devil in his lie but bless God he guarantees the entire triumph of the truth there is a battle. The truth is resisted. Second Timothy 3 and 8. Janes and Jambres resisted Moses. So men of corrupt minds today oppose the truth. Second Peter 2 and 2. The truth is evil spoken of. Yes, it's resisted, maligned, and cursed. But did Janes and Jambres win the battle in Egypt? No, sir. The truth triumphed. And it still triumphs. There's a lovely verse that really is too big for this part of the message. In 2 Corinthians 13 and 8, 
Paul said we can do nothing against the truth we can do nothing against the truth now understand what he means basically he's saying that there is no ecclesiastical or even apostolic power or authority over or above or against the word of God that finishes the pretensions of popery and its hierarchy forever but it's true in a broader sense men may oppose the truth but God turns it on Paul said in Philippians 1 the things that have fallen out or happened unto me have fallen out rather unto the furtherance of the gospel now that's not how it was intended by the devil it was meant to stop the truth Paul says it helps the truth 2 Timothy 2 and 9 Paul says I'm bound why did the devil want Paul bound? to stop the preaching to stop the success of the word but what did Paul say? the word of God is not bound men and women the word of God prevails this old gospel cannot fail because the spirit of truth guarantees its victory we're on the winning side don't believe the notion that we have got to sit back in more and more defeat and less and less enjoyment of the victory of the Lord there is victory the truth of God must prevail here then are the actions of the spirit of truth may God grant us to see much of his activity in our lives, in our homes in the church through our witness to the ends of the earth glorifying Christ applying the gospel opposing the enemy and leading us into the victory of glorious revival. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, Founded by Dr. Alan Cairns, Let the Bible Speak is also heard in many parts of the world through the international radio outreach of Let the Bible Speak, produced in Northern Ireland. The Free Presbyterian Church stands without apology for the absolute inerrancy of the Bible, emphasizing preaching that centers on the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ and is militant in its stand against the ecumenical apostasy and the efforts of the world to infiltrate the Church. For further information about the Free Presbyterian Church, you may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. You may call us at 864-244-2408. Or you may write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Again, that's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Also, we encourage you to visit the website of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America at www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening. 
and inviting you to join us again as we let the Bible speak. (music) 